0: Hello, teacher friends, and welcome to episode number 26 of the Beyond Measure podcast. (laughs) My name is Christina Whitlock, and I am so happy to have made my place in your life as your anytime piano teacher friend. Welcome. Well, teacher friends, this is a topic that I have been looking forward to chatting with you about for a really long time, because today we are talking about recitals. (laughs) More specifically, in an effort to deliver you the content I want, but also to keep us under 20 minutes, today we're going to tackle some ideas that apply to the beginning of a recital adventure. And next week, we're going to tackle the goings on of the recital and wrapping up. (laughs) So anyway, I've always wanted to talk to you about recitals. And in fact, when I started dreaming up episode topics for a podcast like three years ago, this is really one of the first topics that I really drafted. But of course, fast forward to now, it's the spring of 2021, and I do have to confess that I have found myself notably less excited to talk about recitals right now. (laughs) The truth is, I'm feeling a little apathetic to the whole recital situation in general, Um, Just because I have really been struggling with the question of what is the right thing for us to do at this point in time concerning this whole pandemic situation we're still in. (laughs) So I know that many of you have rebounded and are back to business as usual, and believe me, I congratulate you, (laughs) but that is just not quite where we're at right now in my area. So as much as I really did love our online recital experience last spring, I mean, I really, really loved that, but I don't see myself being able to bundle that same kind of energy this year, because it just feels like the novelty has kind of worn off. So I don't know. It's just really been a hard decision for me to make. So at this point, Personally, I'm thinking I'm going to try to postpone a recital until June and hope conditions are looking better for a live event at that point, but I don't know. We'll see. So anyway, all of that to say, regardless of what you are planning this year, if nothing else, we'll just chalk this up to dreaming and brainstorming about future recitals, (laughs) right? That sounds like a good plan. With almost 25 years of teaching under my belt, I do kind of feel like I have found a pretty good stride when it comes to recital plans. So that kind of curtails into my first big disclaimer of today's episode. (laughs) These are things that work for me And I happen to think that they're going to work for you, but I might be wrong. (laughs) So just take this information for what it is. I think if you've been around here for any amount of time, you already know that I am not here professing to have every answer for you, but I just want to share observations along my journey and hope they're helpful. So moving forward, just know these are my go-to strategies for successful recitals at least in non-pandemic times. (laughs) Oh yeah, disclaimer, number two, I am just trying to stick with things that I don't hear and see talked about on the internet very often. So yes, I am leaving out a ton of what I consider to be basic information. So if you have any questions you would like me to answer, please don't hesitate to contact me at Podcast at gmail.com. Recitals are really important to me because I just kind of feel like they're landmark events in my students' lives. You know, we don't overdo them in my studio. We perform around town at different events throughout the year, but really we only have one formal big recital each year. And by and large, everyone really looks forward to it. My students know that it's basically a show and tell of what they've been working on this year, and I work really hard at cultivating an atmosphere where students feel as comfortable as possible. Now, of course, everyone is still nervous for their performance. (laughs) That is part of the experience, after all. (laughs) But we do try to have fun while we're nervous. (laughs) So parents, of course, love seeing their kids be successful and be encouraged. And because of that, recitals really are some of the best ways I have found to solidify that happy studio family relationship. So, before we dive in completely, I have two thoughts for you on ways to make your recital really successful. First of all, is knowing the calendar for your students. (laughs) And what I mean by that is, I have just learned over the years that with my students in my area, the month of May is just nuts. And so, for me, the idea of a recital. In May is now officially a hard pass. (laughs) It doesn't happen. And parents love me for it. It's the same reason I don't do a big Christmas recital in December. Um, Parents are just maxed out. And so when I make sure that I schedule recitals not in December and not in May, (laughs) everyone is a lot happier to be there. (laughs) Secondly, I make sure that students are playing pieces at the spring recital that they love. So the majority of my students have already been playing their standard literature at festivals and competitions all spring, and most of them will choose those pieces for the recital as well. But You know, if I have somebody who's just really itching for a venue to play the James Bond theme song in, (laughs) then I try my best to be agreeable. If they can play it and they're prepared, then I'm going to let them do it because when students are playing pieces that they enjoy, they have a much better attitude towards the whole experience. Okay, so let's talk about what happens when students arrive the day of the recital. I love to give my students a chance to warm up on the piano at their venue. But at the same time, I also have this, like, borderline obsession with having my students keep their performances a surprise from their audience. (laughs) So I used to let a few particularly anxious students come to the recital venue an hour or two ahead of time, but that ended up being a huge time commitment on my end, and I decided I needed to cut that out. So I know that many of you host a separate dress rehearsal, which I also like doing sometimes. But, you know, again, I just really love the element of surprise when students and families get to hear performances for the first time at the recital. It's just a thing of mine. (laughs) Anyway, a few years ago, I stumbled upon an idea that I really, really love. (laughs) So as a bit of backstory... I start improvisation exercises on black keys with my students from their very first lesson. So if you're not familiar, basically all you have to do as the teacher is play chord patterns of 1, minor 6, 4, 5 in the key of G flat major. So you can use those chords in any accompaniment style that your heart desires. (laughs) But then your students can play any black key, any combination of black keys, you know, and it sounds magically like they know what they're doing, right? (laughs) So this is something that all of my students do at every level. Of course, as they get more advanced, we branch out into lots of different improv drills But really, my students of every level really enjoy the black key improv. So how does this tie into recitals, you ask? (laughs) Well, a few years ago, I had the idea of offering up the recital piano 20 minutes early for anyone who wanted to get their hands on the recital piano ahead of time. So the deal was that if the recital started at four, I would have students come in around three forty, and I had everything ready for the recital. I took my place at the piano at three forty and I just started playing that G flat major accompaniment. And I just made some kind of lighthearted comment like, Okay, who's gonna come play with me first? <laughs> and little by little performers came up, they played some improv with me, and then they went and sat back down. Friends, It went better than I could have ever dreamed. First of all, we kept it super casual and lighthearted because plenty of people were still entering and exiting during that time, but students would like start chanting one another's name to get them to go up and take their turn. (laughs) You know, we were laughing, we were making great music, and I could literally feel performance jitters just melting away. Students got to play the piano. I got to have a little moment with each of them as they came up so I could whisper silly things to them and make them laugh. Parents got to see their kids being creative. You know, lots of kiddos just shined in their abilities. And, you know, I just loved the whole thing. So I know not all of you listening are piano teachers. So the question is, what can you do? So can your students improvise on their own instruments on the first three notes of a blues scale? Could you run a sing-along or name that tune or a trivia game? (laughs) I don't know. Um, I think there's lots of things we can do to kind of ease that pre-recital tension. One of the reasons I loved this so much was because it eliminated all of that anxiety that happens before the recital. Students were busy and I was busy. (laughs) So I didn't feel like I had to wander around like a crazy person, you know, because I had already forced myself to have everything ready to go 30 minutes ahead of time. And instead of running around, you know, dealing with all the nervous energy, I got to be on center stage, having a great time with my students, teaching them, again, that music is a gift to be shared, and just overall helping them get acclimated to the stage and to their instrument. That one idea was full of so many wins. I feel like I should say, though, that this only works because my students do that improv exercise regularly. So if you don't run a lot of those activities with your students, don't try to attempt that one just quite yet, okay? (laughs) Okay, so that's a peek into our pre-show entertainment. (laughs) Are you ready for my, like, biggest real recital pro tip? (laughs) This one is for all of us. Here's the deal. Take your group recital photo before the recital begins. (laughs) My students know that it's happening five minutes before the recital, but you could even just do it at the start of the recital, so whatever. For many, many, many years, I would plan to take a group photo at the end of the recital and I would forget every time. (laughs) Seriously, there is a multiple year streak where I have no group recital photos. And I hate that for all kinds of reasons. But if you take them before the recital starts, no one has snuck out and made an early exit. So everyone is there. (laughs) The kids all still look their best. No, boys have untucked their shirts. The girls' hair bows are still perfectly placed. (laughs) Students are still a little bit nervous, which means they're not quite as squirmy and, you know, hard to get to stand in place. You can make them do some silly things, which just helps further cut the tension. You know, you can make jokes and take pictures with silly faces. You get the idea. There's just something helpful about nervous people being physically near other nervous people because they start to see that they are not the only ones. Now, in this endeavor, make sure that you designate someone to take the official studio photo. (laughs) Whether you hire someone or just ask someone specifically to do it, um, make sure you have one official photographer. Because as you take this photo, of course, lots of parents are going to be trying to take that same shot. But that way you don't have to hunt someone down later. And, you know, you can help by choosing someone who isn't afraid to boss the kids around a little bit. (laughs) In a nice way, of course. Because you need to make sure that someone is taking a photo that will make sure we can see all of the students' faces friends i confess to you now that my last studio recital which was back in 2019 i failed to designate a specific photographer <laughs> i had like 12 or 20 parents i don't even know taking me taking pictures and i just asked them to email me their photos which they did but i never got one with everyone looking anywhere near the same direction And there are at least six students, if not more, that I can barely see in this photo. It's basically my worst ever attempt. And of course, now I have been staring at it for two solid years. (laughs) Ooh, we should talk about that. Okay, so (laughs) you get this group photo. It's precious. So many of your favorite people are all in that one place, right? Do you know what you do now? You use that photo like crazy. You print a 16 by 20 of that photo and you display it in a prominent place in your studio all year. You post it on social media multiple times throughout the year. You put it on a studio Christmas card and you mail it to your families, thanking them for their support that time of year. Are you catching my drift? (laughs) After a few years, this photo will become a treasured student tradition. It's essentially the equivalent of your team photo. Do you know the lengths that parents will go through to ensure that their kid isn't missing from the soccer team photo? (laughs) Do not underestimate the power of your team photo. It can, in all seriousness, become one of the best ways to make sure that families are prioritizing your studio recital over other things. Because, yeah, I do know that's an issue. But I'm telling you, after a while, once you build the culture, people are not going to want to be missing from the photo. (laughs) Which brings me to one last quick point for today. Do you have students that you really want at the recital, but you're worried that they are going to flake out at the last minute? (laughs) Well, give them a job. Let them know several weeks in advance that you need them to pass out programs or help serve cookies or, I don't know, you name it. (laughs) families who feel like they have a specific role at your event will much more likely come to that event. (laughs) They now do yourself a favor because notice none of those jobs are anything that will matter if those students aren't actually there. They're either things that don't actually need doing or can easily be passed along to someone else at the last moment. But If you're trying to figure out a way to get students there, that's a good one. Okay, I know we're just getting rolling, but I am desperately trying to keep my promise of limiting these episodes to 20 minutes or less. So let me wrap with a toast to you. (laughs) Music teacher friends of the world, we work hard. (laughs) and deserve to shine as bright as our students at our recitals and other public events. I know that this is a time of year when we are all working many, many hours off the clock and where we are in hyperdrive with our students, making sure that they are fully equipped to show the world exactly how incredible they are. This is me raising my glass to you today in solidarity wishing you a most successful recital season regardless of what that looks like for you this year <laughs> cheers to you my friends here here thanks for joining me for episode number 26 i will be back next week with more recital ideas and I really can't wait. (laughs) Make sure you're hanging out with me on Instagram and Facebook at Beyond Measure Podcast. And if you happen to be a member of MTNA, be sure to register for the webinar that I'm giving on Friday, which is focused on the art of building relationships with students when they enter your studio, but also as they exit. It's a topic I love so much, and I can't wait to hang out with more of my teacher friends on Friday. So until we meet again, let's go make the world a better place.